Welcome, my name is Tom, this is The Enthusiasm Project Season 7, Episode 7, and it's Evan gonna be a really fun episode because we're gonna talk about free stuff. I'm free to talk about free things. And so there's a couple different things happening. Let's just sort of jump straight into that first and foremost. Let me bump this up here a little bit. Trying something different in terms of production, I am doing a video version of this podcast, so if you want to check that out and see me in all of my glory... Uh, go to patreon.com slash tombuck or become a YouTube channel member. There's links in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. Not that today's show is going to be heavily visual, but it uh, <laughs> video podcasting is something that's always been a little bit tricky for me because I feel like video by its very nature adds in a lot to a podcast production. It's just, it's a whole different beast to wrangle in on top of just producing the audio and I I have felt for a long time that, you know, maybe the juice isn't worth the squeeze, as they say, and it's better to focus on the audio. But I think I'm just wrong. And I think that, you know, like video podcasting is not going anywhere. I do. Well, I mean, there's data to back it up that audio podcasting is more popular, but people, audiences do have the experience sorry, I'm trying to adjust my headphone levels here, do have the expectation more and more of a video podcast. And I have found myself really enjoying video podcasts, even if nothing is really happening on screen, even if it's just the person talking. I kind of like having that like on while I'm working on something. And I know I don't watch the whole thing every frame, but I glance over and I see what they're doing. And I like it. So I feel like I should make more of an effort to do more video podcast episodes, but I'm trying to find the best balance to do that where it doesn't then create a whole massive workflow where it's not like a whole production for a regular video. So what I'm doing today, everything is running through Ecamm Live, which is normal. I'm running my microphone into the Rodecaster into Ecamm. I'm recording the audio and the video just directly into Ecamm for simplicity's sake, because if I need to pause and make any edits, they will already be included in both the audio and the video versions like magic. And then I'm basically done. I have the intro, outro programmed into scenes. But what I've done, uh, my room looks very different right now if you're watching the video version. Uh, this is something, if you're somebody who has a studio or an office or an office that doubles as a studio and you film in there a lot, video lights. I have been saying for years, it's really important to focus on dedicated video lights because they're going to help your space. And I stand by that statement 100%. The problem is that I've noticed that video lights aren't the best lights to just be under all day, every day. And so while I love the way that my studio looks on camera, I love the way that it feels while I'm recording, it's also by like the end of a long work day or a long work week, I just feel a little bit fried <laughs> from being under all those lights. And it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. And I didn't really realize that until I noticed that lately I have been working less and less in my studio in this space right here and more and more just out in other places or even trying to just go outdoors, go where there's like natural light and I just feel a little more comfortable. And then I realized maybe I should do something about that. So what I did, uh, which is something that you would normally never see on camera, is I bought a bunch of, um, about a string of just market lights, like LED market lights. If you're watching the video version, you can see the little bokeh balls reflecting in the picture frames on the window back there or on the wall back there. And I just sort of like hung them up around the ceiling. So when there's nothing happening, it's like very, I used to do this in my classrooms. It's just very not fluorescent -y feeling. It's, it's kind of mellow and calm. It's a nicer place to spend your time. And then I put my 60 watt eye footage light in a lantern kind of mounted up there at like 20% brightness. So it just does add in a little bit of fill, but it makes the whole environment just feel so much better. And I like hanging out in here so much more. And I came in here or I was working in here and then I turned on the camera to do the podcast and I kind of saw the way the lighting looked. And I was like, oh, this looks sort of different. It feels like kind of warm and charming. So I just left my like non-normal lighting setup for now because 
video podcast would be a great excuse to experiment with goofy things like that that I might not want to do in a regular full-on video. And then I just, I did turn on a couple other lights. Where are they? A couple other lights. Um, and I set them to a little bit of a warmer setting. So this feels like a very cozy, sunsetty fireside environment in here, which is great. It's really, really nice. So that's uh, that's kind of the setup that I've got today. I am recording into the Earthworks Icon, and I have the SM7B windscreen on it to help protect against plosives. And this windscreen really does kind of change the tone of the microphone a little bit. So if I take it off and now I talk into the microphone, it, there's a lot more like high-end, I don't know what I would call it, but I, I think I would call it crispness. But the microphone then also does become Peter Piper pitched a podcast a bit more susceptible to plosives. So the SM7B windscreen whoop, goes right on there. And then it it feels like it rounds out the sound a bit. And then it also Peter Piper pitched a podcast. There's no plosive problems there. So that is the main microphone that I'm running. And that's going into the uh, Rodecaster Pro 2 on just the generic condenser mic setting. And then running into Ecamm Live. Uh, which, by the way, when I run audio into Ecamm Live, I learned this from Doc Rock. I initially set the audio level to 80 at Ecamm to 80%, and then I adjust up or down based on that. And it seems to work very, very well. So that is our setup. But interesting things with that setup, though. Um, this Earthworks microphone, I didn't pay for this. This Rode PSA1 boom arm, I didn't pay for this. This Rodecaster Pro 2, I didn't pay for this. Um, I stole all of this stuff. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not steal all of the things. But these were all things that were given to me with no obligation by the companies that make them. And they're things that I use. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. I'm going to kind of um, freeform my way through this discussion because I don't really have a specific outline. But this is something that has come up that I think is important to talk about and worth talking about for anybody who wants to make content. I've also been trying to say the word content a lot less, a lot less lately because I know, like, it is what it, you're a content creator. I need to upload some content. I'm just making content, but uh, I, this is sort of a tangent. Even though I have felt really great about the idea of like I'm a full time content creator, I get to do this in my full time. Just the idea of like I make content, it just sounds like such a. It sounds like it really devalues the thing that you make, like. I just, it's, I just need, you know, like I'm just making sustenance for this greater beast that exists and it doesn't matter what it is. It's like almost, you know, like stereotypical early 20th century, like prison food, like it's suitable for human consumption kind of thing. Like it's content. Okay. But the stuff I work on, the stuff you work on, you probably spend a lot of time on it. You probably think about it a lot. It probably is a bit more than just content. So I've been trying to just say, like, make stuff, make videos, the things that I'm making. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but I've been trying to focus. I've been trying to say the word content a bit less. I don't know if anybody cares about that, but it just felt like it was devaluing the things that we're actually making and working on by just saying it's just content because that just I don't know. I didn't like the way that sounds. But anyway, long story, extra short. Now I uh, forgot where I was going with that, but I was talking about content. And then I guess I'm content enough to say that as I was coming up for content for this podcast episode, there we go. Slick transition right there. <laughs> um, if you're somebody who makes stuff much earlier than you think, you will probably get reached out to and offered free stuff. And I've talked about that before on this podcast. And that's where the whole idea of the ethics statement, which we've talked about ad nauseum many, many times, comes from is how to handle free stuff, how to handle brand partnerships, how to handle sponsored content, basic content, there it is, how to handle sponsored work, anything that has to do with what you're making that, you know, someone else has a little finger in it as well. It's kind of how to handle that. But free stuff is very, it's very, very confusing. When I was in high school, my economics teacher in my senior year drilled into us the phrase, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And in the in economics, the way he was teaching us, I know that's a very common phrase, but what he was teaching us was that, you know, even if you're given something for free, it didn't just materialize out of nowhere for free. Somebody had to pay for it. Costs went into it. You know, effort, energy, money, all this stuff went into it, even if, it, if you didn't specifically pay for it or the person who gave it to you didn't pay for it. Somebody at some point paid for it. And free equipment, free gear, 
I feel the more and more that I've been doing this, the more and more it's true that there's no such thing as free gear. And it's confusing because, for example, <laughs> I was out uh, shooting a star time lapse last night with my GoPro. And actually, I should say my GoPro was outside. I was not out there with it for like hours and hours. But I set my GoPro up last night to try to like figure out how to do star time lapses with it. And the GoPro Hero 10, which I'm holding right here, and I really love this camera and I use it all the time, was sent to me by GoPro. They went through the ethics statement, everything. So all of this stuff, the Earthworks microphone, the Rode boom arm, the Rodecaster Pro 2, anything you've ever seen me have that I say somebody sent this to me for free has always been after going through the ethics statement, which includes, I'm not going to make a video about it because you just sent me something for free. I'm very upfront that I don't make videos in exchange for free products. I'm also very clear that, you know, you don't get any editorial control over this. There's no obligation. What I've even said in the past to a few companies is like, if you're okay with sending your product into a black hole, then send it to me because just pretend you're okay never seeing it again, basically. And I, and I should say too, I don't just say yes to everyone who wants to send something. For the most part, I say no, but when someone like GoPro or Earthworks reaches out, that's like, oh, these are people I would like to actually have a relationship with. Let's talk. Okay, cool. You want to send something, you understand how it works, how I work. Let's go ahead and do that. And it does actually make things, you know, I guess I should say, if you're somebody who, say, you make, say you're like me and you make videos about camera and audio video gear, you probably have a certain assortment of gear when you're starting out. And you can make videos about that gear, like whatever you have right now. If you've not started making something and you want to do a review channel, you probably have a phone. Whatever device you're listening to this podcast on, whether it's a phone or a computer or something, you can make a video about that thing. That could be your first video. You can make a video about the camera you use to make that video. You could, you know, all the stuff that you currently have that can be core concepts for videos and to teach people how to use that stuff better and, and all that kind of stuff. But after a while, you, you know, you kind of run out of, you've done it all, right? You've covered all of your stuff and you don't necessarily just want to go seeking out like, oh, here's some piece of junk, but I could make a video on it. And here's, you know, the latest and greatest thing. I have to get that to make a video on it. But certain things make sense. If you watch my GoPro review, I, I have bought so many GoPros over the past like 10, no, now, oh my gosh, time is scary. 12 years? I've bought a lot of GoPros. I've gotten one GoPro for free. Um, but I was very, I, I had a GoPro I was happy with, so I wasn't really planning to buy a new one. GoPro reached out, asked if I wanted to test out their new one last year. This is the Hero 10. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, you know, I, it seems really cool, but I'm pretty satisfied with the Hero 7 that I have. So I don't have any interest in buying a new one. But if you want to send it to me, of course, go for it. And then they did. It's also a great way to build relationships with brands. So for example, right here in this box, uh, if you're just listening to this, I'm holding a little wooden box right here. This was sent to me from B&H Photo yesterday. You might have, well, I'm recording this yesterday. Depends on when you're listening to this. Um, this is a wooden box. I open it up and inside is a beautiful, absolutely beautiful, bright blue metal, aluminum, super lightweight shotgun microphone. And this is a Sheps CMIT-5U, which I had not heard of before. And basically, uh, B&H, a, a while ago, earlier this year, invited me to be part of their loaner program, which is very, very cool. And it's not just, <laughs> it's not just the kind of loaner that I was in middle school, but it's where you can loan out equipment to you. And you can basically just say, hey, I really want to try out this thing, a camera, a lens, whatever. They'll let you try it out for a month or two, and then you send it back. It's great because there's no obligation to me to make a video about it. But if I want to, if I want to make a video about something, it's a way to have access to gear. If I just want to learn more about gear, I can do that as well. And then you send it back. So I've been using the Sennheiser MKH-50. I'm going to try to pull this down into frame here as my overhead boom mic for the past, oh, oof, seven or eight months now. It's been a while that I've been using this and I absolutely love it. It's $1,200 microphone though. So it's not within everybody's budget. But for me, it made the biggest difference in the world. So if there's times where I'm not using a microphone like right now, where it's on a boom arm in front of my face, use this microphone right here. The biggest like competitor or the more popular option, I guess, versus the MKH-50 is the Sennheiser MKH-416. 
And the reason I went with the 50 is when I was looking between the 416 and the 50, the 50 really seemed more suited for this kind of situation, for being in an indoor environment, trying to capture dialogue from out of frame and and rejecting all other noise. The 50 seemed really well suited for it, but I knew the 416 was more popular. Then I started realizing, I think, as far as I could trace it, this is not like scientific, the 416 became really popular a couple of years ago in the world of YouTube. It's been a popular mic otherwise, but it became very popular in the world of YouTube a few years ago when Marquez Brownlee did, did a behind the scenes thing and he was talking about, I use the 416, his audio always sounds perfect and crisp and wonderful. And I think people saw that and a bunch of people just went out and bought Sennheiser 416s, which is like a thousand dollar microphone is not a cheap microphone. Not taking into account that while MKBHD does sound great, he also invests a ton of time and energy into sound treatment for all of his different studio spaces. He also runs that microphone through some really high end hardware and recording hardware. And then I'm guessing just knowing what I do about his workflow and what he shared about it, that it also probably, he probably also does some processing and it's not just the raw audio from the camera or the recorder, but it's probably fairly processed and then it sounds absolutely amazing. And so people were buying this microphone and it was sounding good, but it wasn't sounding quite as good as what, as what he did. I'm going to go grab it right now, actually. And so here, that was the magic of Ecamm. I can do a jump cut just on the fly with Ecamm here. So here is the 416. It's a very long microphone. It's about the same length. I mean, this is what, nine inches, 10, 10 inches long, maybe? It's about the same as the blue microphone, the chef's microphone that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so anyway, long story doubly long, I reached out to B&H and said, hey, um, could I try the 416 because I want to compare that to my MKH50 and see how they really perform. Is, am, I, am I totally wrong in what I'm saying? B&H was like, sure, <laughs> sure. And then my B&H rep said, hey, you know what? A bunch of us were just talking with some industry folks about kind of underrated but incredibly popular microphones. And there's a really interesting one. I think you'd like it. I don't want to tell you what it is. Do you want us to send it to you as well? And I said, yeah, of course. I mean, please, sure thing, send that down the road to me. And they did. And I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was this one right here, which I had never heard of. And then I looked it up and it's a $2,400 microphone. And it's pretty amazing. So I get to play with this for the next month. In fact, I know that's not what this episode is about, but let's do let's do some quick sound tests, right? So let's see here. I'm going to grab a cable and we will switch over. Right now I'm on the Earthworks icon. And now I am on the Sennheiser MKH50. This is my normal microphone that I use for my videos. I am hand holding it though, which is not really what it's how it's supposed to be used. It's not like a spoken word voiceover microphone. So if I kind of hold it out of frame where I would normally put it for a video, it would sort of be like here kind of. Uh, and this is the MKH50. So now it is out of frame of the camera. You definitely hear more of the room tone. And if I bring it closer to me, that room tone goes away. This is the Sennheiser MKH50. And now this is the Sennheiser MKH416. You can definitely hear totally different sound qualities between these two microphones. I I guess it's just personal preference, so I don't even want to give my opinion. But this one, this one I think sounds a lot more crisp, I guess is the word. This is the 416, and if I place that uh, out of frame where my MKH50 goes, this is kind of how that sounds. Now the microphone is out of frame, how it would normally be used as a shotgun microphone. Uh, compared to the MKH50. And again, if I bring it a little bit closer to me, this is the 416. And this is the Sheps, let's see, they shepped it to me. Uh, what is it, the CMET 5U uh, right here. So this is the Sheps. And if I point it out of the frame and kind of at me, this is sort of, I know I need to get the positioning right. So don't use this as a definitive test, but this is this microphone out of frame. It also has a few built-in things like different filters. I think it's like almost like a high, mid, and a low pass. So this is with the highs. This is with the mids. This is with the lows. And then this is with all of those turned on. So then it this almost sounds more like the 416. But if I turn all of these off, now this, I think, sounds more 
I think it sounds really close to the MKH-50, which actually makes me really happy because uh, the MKH-50 is literally half the price, even though it's still a very expensive microphone. It is half the price of this uh, Sheps microphone right here. Doesn't look as cool though. And the Sheps even came with a windscreen that is also blue. Come on. It's so nice. So I'm going to have fun playing with these over the next month. But here's the thing. This microphone, not paying for it. This 416, not paying for it. These two, I'm not keeping. They they go back. <laughs> I don't get to own them forever. But the trusty Sennheiser MKH-50 also didn't pay for this one. And now I'm back on the Earthworks, the normal setup as I put things away. But the Sennheiser MKH-50, that microphone was... Well, actually, okay, the reason I told you about the whole B&H story and he went on this tangent right now was as I was talking to my B&H rep, he's a great guy. If you're listening to this, hi, Morty. I would be mortified if I didn't uh, acknowledge you. Uh, and he's he's a he's a really cool guy and I really like him and I want to make sure that, you know, B&H is a store that I've been using for over 20 years just personally and I want to make sure that our relationship continues to grow. So I was asking him, like, what are some things that I can do to help us be able to continue like a good working relationship. And what he said was, please take advantage of the loaner program. Please. I feel guilty when I, when I say, Hey Morty, like give me this expensive microphone and let me try it for a month. He's like, no, please do that. Like we want to have people that we're partnered with taking advantage of these things that we do. That helps that, that helps build our relationship. It's not just me and him, but then him, you know, like he's able to say, yeah, look, I've got these partners here, these affiliates, whatever you want to call them here, they're taking, they're doing this stuff. They're, you know, taking advantage of all the things that we have to offer. It's good for everybody. And that's kind of one of those things, like going back to GoPro, it's not that I couldn't just go out and buy a GoPro Hero 10, but it's kind of cool to build a relationship with someone at GoPro because GoPro is a company that I use stuff from a lot. Earthworks, the Earthworks icon, this microphone was just sent to me with no obligation, but the person who got in touch with me and reached out, even though I've had this for almost a year now, we've been talking kind of like as friends in a lot of ways for the past year. Sennheiser, the reason that I even asked about the MKH-50 in the first place is that Sennheiser reached out to me a long time ago, maybe like a year and a half ago at this point, and they wanted me to try out like um, some video mics or something and I just kind of wasn't into it, but I really liked them. The, the mics just weren't for me at the time. And then one of the people from Sennheiser and I really hit it off. And he was just, a, he's a really cool guy. And he even helped me figure out, even though I was using a Rode mic at the time, he helped me figure out better mic positioning for my studio. And it was literally showing me screenshots of my video, my setup from videos where he was like, look, you have this desk, you have this monitor, your microphone's positioned here. If you try angling it this way, you're going to notice the sound reflects differently and you're like, it was really cool. Somebody who's just nerding out about audio stuff and having fun with it and helping me to get better, even though I wasn't even using a Sennheiser microphone. And then once I learned about the MKH-50 and was curious about it, I wanted to try it. So I reached out to them and I just asked if they had one to borrow, just like the B&H loaner program wasn't a part of that at the time or else I would have probably just asked that. And they said, sure, no problem. Sure. I keep saying Sure. Sennheiser said, yes, Heiser, no problem. And they sent me the MKH-50 for, you know, like, keep this for two months and then send it back. Cool, no problem. So I was using it. I loved it. It was amazing. And then the closest I've really come to asking for anything is when the time came to send it back, I had really fallen in love with the microphone. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to send this back to you. Like, send me a shipping label. I really love this microphone. Um, I'm sorry to ask this, but before I buy one on my own, is there like any kind of discount or anything I could get? Because it's expensive. So I asked for a discount and they basically just said, yeah, just go ahead and hang on to that one. No problem. And so I just kept the one that was supposed to be a loner microphone, which was very, very cool and not what I expected when I got the thing. I was expecting them to say like, look, we're not the sales team. We don't have like coupon codes for you or something. But they just let me keep the microphone, which was smart on their part because I've since made videos about it not because I have to, but because I want to, it has popped up in so many videos. And because it's a really good microphone, I get asked about it a lot. What are you using? And then I tell people what I'm using and then people buy it. So they gave me this one microphone, even though I wasn't obligated to make a video about it, it's definitely translated into microphone sales for them. And if something happened to this, if it, 
I don't know, fell off a cliff and broke or something, I would definitely buy another one. Like I, at this point it's proven itself. Like I would totally spend the $1,200, even though it's a lot and just buy another one. So I guess the reason I'm telling you all that stuff and it's not just me here flexing on like, look at all the free stuff I got is because how the free stuff does affect other things when it comes to what you're making. And I think that's very important to keep in mind. So I think my ethics statement, the way I handle stuff has worked really well for me. And I would definitely encourage you to have something that works well for you because the last thing you want is for a company to reach out and say, hey, we'll give you something for free. You say, okay, cool. They send it to you and then they start relentlessly harassing you. Like, when are you going to post a video? Where's the video? We sent the thing. Even though you didn't agree to make a video and that like all of that miscommunication, which I hear about happening a lot, you can avoid that by making sure everyone is on the same page before you even begin. And by making sure you're not just saying yes to every free thing that gets offered, you know, like Earthworks, Rode, Sennheiser, GoPro, those are all companies that I, that are reputable, that I trust, that I've purchased things from before in the past anyway on my own, and now I get to work with them. That's why I would say yes to them. You know, it it just kind of, they're, they're companies I'm already buying stuff from, I'm already a fan of. And they're not dumb. They know that even though I'm not obligated to make a video about it, if I really like something, I get excited about it, and I will probably make a video about it. They also know that, you know, when I do a desk setup video or something, or somebody asks what microphone you're using, I'm going to tell them. And now I get to tell them that I'm using that microphone. So it works out for everybody. But the negative, or not the negative, I guess, the thing to be aware of is that idea I just mentioned a while ago of there's no such thing as a free lunch, there's no such thing as a free product, even if the product is free to you. And the company obviously like had to pay to manufacture it. So there's a cost there. But even if they don't want anything in return, like GoPro legitimately (laughs) never checked in again after they sent me this camera. I sent them a link to the video I made when I did make one. I was like, hey, camera's amazing. Like, here's the video, check it out. But they sent me the camera and that was it. And the tracking number. And I never heard from them again. So even though it was like really all this stuff is no strings attached whatsoever, the, the cost can potentially be your relationship with your audience. Because that's where how you choose to build up trust, how you choose to approach that stuff with your audience is very, very important. Now, there are certain like basic requirements. So if you, you know, if I'm making a review on the Sennheiser MKH-50 and Sennheiser gave me this microphone for free, very important for me to say that in that review so that people don't think, oh, Tom spent $1,200 on this microphone. No, I would spend $1,200, but I didn't have to in this case. The Rodecaster Pro 2, Rode sent me that, Rode sent me that early, which is cool. I was planning to buy one. I didn't know when a new Rodecaster was coming out, but I was like setting money aside for the new Rodecaster when it was coming out. So I was fully planning to pre-order and buy one whenever it was announced, and then they just happened to send one. But obviously, like, I would have bought it, you know, if it, if they didn't. Um, and fortunately, they did, which, which is great for me. And, you know, I've bought so much Rode stuff, I don't really feel, <laughs> didn't really feel any guilt over that. But it's important to disclose that. Rode sent me this, you know, GoPro sent me this, B&H is loaning me these microphones. I don't want someone to think when I'm I'm definitely going to be making a video about this Blue Chef's microphone. And in that video, I'm going to be very clear that B&H sent me this and that it's not mine to keep and that that's what we're talking about because I don't want somebody to think that I just went out and spent $2,400 on a microphone and now it's my favorite microphone. It's the microphone I'm going to use in every video forever. And they go spend $2,400 on a microphone and then they come back and watch a video of mine a few weeks later and I'm using the MKH-50 and not the $2,400 microphone that they bought. So it's very important to be clear about that kind of thing. Just, you know, just just to, to be open and honest with your audience and to contextualize things properly is very, very important. It's also, it's also required. Like there are, you know, legal requirements, especially depending on what country you're in. But in the United States and most countries, you have to disclose that kind of thing. And that's not even talking about an actual sponsorship where someone says, hey, we'll give you this product and a chunk of money. Now make this specific video. That's, you know, that's a totally different thing. The problem in the world of like YouTube and, and content creation 
is that those lines are so blurry. There have been, you know, whether whether somebody is being paid to promote something and they say, thanks, you know, company for sponsoring this video, or somebody just got the thing for free and they just want, like me, and they just wanted to make a video about it because they like it, or somebody went out and bought the thing themselves and they're making a video about it because they like it. It can be, on the surface, very, very difficult to tell the difference between those different situations. And so something I think that you have to learn to navigate as time goes on is how how much time you need to spend disclosing that stuff. So for example, uh, a thing I used to do if a video was not sponsored, is I used to spend a lot of time saying, this video is not sponsored. I bought this thing here, blah, 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 blah. And if a video is, not that I really do a ton of sponsored videos. I've never done a sponsored product video, but I've done a number of videos where the product was given to me for free. And I say very specifically at the beginning, before we get started, you know, this company sent me this product. I don't have to make a video about it. And I'm very upfront about that. <clears throat> but then I've, I had people tell me, Doc Rock was a big one. So Doc, if you're listening, thank you. That I was spending so much time at the beginning of my videos saying this video is not sponsored, not sponsored, not sponsored. And the reason I was doing that was because I knew there were going to be people who, if I say, you know, here, this GoPro is really cool. If I say anything positive about it, they're just going to say, this is a sponsored video. Uh, you're a liar, you're a scam. And so it's like, I'm trying to, preemptively address those things before they even happen. And what Doc said is like, why are you focusing on these people who who dislike you, don't understand you, and are clearly just, you know, mean and wrong? Those of us who do like you and do trust you and do want to be on board with that, we don't need the minute-long disclaimer. So don't worry about that. If you need to disclaim something because it's the right thing to do or it's required, that's different. But don't spend so much time trying to, you know, trying to handle things that haven't even happened yet. And so for the past long time now, um, maybe six months, my policy has been when I make videos, if the thing is not has not been given to me and is not sponsored, I don't say anything about it. Because I don't do the disclaimer. This is unless I feel like I really, really need to because it starts to sound like an ad. Sometimes I'll talk about something and I'm just so excited about it. It sounds like I'm advertising it. I'm like, this is really not sponsored. Um, but for the most part, I just don't say anything about it. If it was given to me or there is a sponsorship in the video, then I definitely say something about that. And that's very important. And that way, you know, people can make their own decisions. But I don't know if this is fair or not, although I do understand it. If you start making video after video after video where all of these things are provided to you at no charge it can definitely start to affect your relationship with your audience. And obviously that depends on how you approach it and how you present it. You know, are you, I think of someone like Gerald and Dunn, for example, I know that he doesn't necessarily own every product that he reviews because it, he would have no physical space to exist if he did that. And he's very clear about when he gets to keep stuff, when he's sending stuff back. And when he has a product, the reason he has it is he gets it, he tests it, he, you know, here's everything it says it can do. Can it actually do those things? Yes or no, here's my findings. That's kind of his approach to a lot of things. And that's sort of like, it's almost like an informational resource, right? And that's his specific approach. Other times, and you see this a lot when there are embargo videos where a new thing comes out and there's 15 videos about that thing. And then you have a bunch of people saying, oh my gosh, Thing is the best thing ever. I love Thing. I'm going to use Thing forever. It's amazing. And then you never see the Thing again in their videos. That always raises some questions. And viewers, even even me and you, you know, as viewers, even if we make stuff, we're, we're in this role as viewers a lot of times too. We're bouncing back and forth between all of that stuff. And I know that personally, what I do like the most is when I get to hear someone tell me about something that they use super consistently. It might not be the newest or the latest and the greatest, but it's the thing that is stuck with them because they trust it and it works for them. I want to know about that more than the home shopping network version of showcasing a new thing that just came out. And sometimes the audience can't, it's not necessarily even their job to decipher that. And if they're just watching videos on their downtime or, you know, a video is recommended to them, they kind of have to do some deciphering and maybe, or maybe they won't. So I guess I'm just pointing out the importance of being aware of that. 
Now, the downside is you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, because no matter what, people are going to, if you say something positive about anything, people are going to uh, tell you that it's, it's sponsored content. The number of times I've made a couple of videos about the M1 Mac Mini, where I say that it's the most powerful, when I bought it, it was the most powerful computer I'd ever owned. And it was also the cheapest. And I thought that was really cool. I spent $700 on this computer. It was incredibly powerful and and really inexpensive for a computer. And so I made a bunch of videos about that. I bought that computer at Best Buy. I didn't even buy it from Apple. Um, and the number of people in those videos who say, this is sponsored content. Oh man, all you paid Apple shills, blah, 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 blah. It's kind of absurd, like how many of those comments I have to go through and delete and, you know, not even dignify with the response. And it's like, people are saying it with such cer certainty that, you know, this is definitely sponsored content. You say it's not, but it definitely is. And I'm like, no, man, like, I, I know that I went to the local Best Buy and bought this computer to use every day. And I've been using it every day and I like it. So I'm making a video about it. And then the same comments will come if, you know, if I make a video about this Sennheiser microphone and I say, oh yeah, Sennheiser sent me to this, then people will say, oh, this is, you know, like they send it to you. So of course you're going to say good things about it. It's like, I, <laughs> okay. So if I paid for it and said good things about it, you would tell me it's sponsored. If they sent it to me and I say good things about it, you're telling me I'm only saying good things about it because they sent it to me. And of course, not that I've ever done a paid product video, but if they had also paid me on top of it or if a company paid me for a product, of course, and this is maybe more rightfully so, you would say like this probably isn't a fair review because you're being paid by these people and they're telling you what to say. There could potentially be more like reason to believe that. Even in my most recent video at the time of this recording, which was the Rode Procaster review, this one was so funny because the whole reason I got the Procaster, I was going to buy one. When I went and visited B&H in New York, my souvenir, I was like, buy a Procaster. You've been wanting one. People have been asking you what you think about it. I was like, that'd be a great souvenir to get from New York and go buy a microphone. And that's my New York microphone. And I just totally forgot. I got so like overloaded and overstimulated in B&H that when it came time, like I needed something. What was it? I completely forgot to get the microphone. And then I was talking to somebody from Rode. Um, it was like kind of leading up to the Rodecaster launch. And he was just asking, have you ever used any uh, road mics on your drums or your instruments. And I was like, no, not really. Um, I've heard good things about like the pod mic on a bass drum and stuff. He's like, yeah, the Procaster is really good also. And he was talking about the M5s, which I've never used, but they're little like pencil condenser microphones that usually come in a pair. And I was like, oh yeah, I haven't used the Procaster. Um, and he was, <laughs> it was funny because he was like, if you want, if, if you want a Procaster, you could just ask. And I was like, okay, can I have a Procaster? And then he said, no, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But then he said, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, we'll send you a Procaster. I was like, okay, I never, I, it's, I feel super weird asking for stuff, but I'd been curious about this mic. I forgot to get the one when I went to the place. And anyway, so they said, okay, we'll send it over to you. Rode, like, there have been a lot of times where Rode sends stuff that I do not ask for, which is great. I mean, that's a very like privileged position to be in. And then people, I say that, and sometimes people have been like, well, how do they just surprise you with like, oh, they sent it to your address and you didn't know? It's like, yeah, I've ordered stuff from them. Like, they have my address, so I don't know what to tell you about that. You got me. Uh, but anyway, like there have been times where stuff has shown up where it's like, here's a package from Rode. I didn't expect this. And sometimes it's equipment, sometimes it's Vegemite or a hat or something. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty cool and it's really fun. So they sent me the Procaster. I really, really liked it. I've been using it for the past, I think it's been like two months now. It's a great microphone, especially for the price, which I know I didn't write for it, but it's a $182 microphone. Great price for a great sounding microphone. And so I made a video about it where I compared it to other microphones. <laughs> and in that video, I said at the beginning, Rode sent me this microphone. I don't have to make a video about it, but I want to because I really like it and I think it's a great value overall. And I try very, very hard if I'm making a video about something that I didn't pay for, I try as hard as I can to treat it and understand it as if I did pay for it because I'm very aware that there's a difference. You know, here I'm holding the Sennheiser MKH416 right now. This is a $1,000 microphone. 
I'm very aware that there is a difference when you pay 1,000 of your dollars and you get something, the way that you view it, the way that you treat it, the expectations that you have for it are very different than if someone just hands you something at no cost. Even though you're like, I know this is a really nice, expensive thing, but it, you know, it's different. Like you didn't necessarily feel that pain of paying the expense for that thing. And I try to be as aware of that as possible when making videos or talking about products that, okay, maybe I didn't pay for this microphone, but I really, really want to try to look at it as if I had. And from the point of view of someone who might. So it's like, yes, this is an amazing microphone. Spending $1,000 is a lot of money. It's a ton of opportunity costs there. So should I, like, yes, I can recommend it as a good microphone. And usually what I'll say in those situations is if budget is no option, because believe it or not, there are people out there for whom budget is not an option. They don't care. They just want the best thing. Doesn't matter how much it costs. If that's the thing that works for them, they'll go ahead and buy it. If that's you, then yeah, of course, just buy the absolute best thing. But if that's not you and you have limited funds and you want to you know, use them in the most effective way possible, then I like to try and keep that in mind and go, okay, yeah, the 416 is great, but what about, you know, the Deity S-Mic 2 or the VideoMic NTG, things that are significantly less expensive? How does it stack up against those? Is there a big difference? What is the difference? That kind of stuff. Try to, I try to be very, very aware of those things. But in the Procaster video... <laughs> It's so funny because at the beginning, I really do like to just spoil my videos by saying my conclusions at the beginning. And then, um, and then we go through the video and people seem to appreciate that. And I like doing that. So at the very beginning of that video, I'm sitting here with a whole bunch of microphones. I have the Procaster, the SM7B, the RE20 and a pod mic. And I'm like, okay, before we go any further, here's my actual feelings. I think the Procaster is the absolute best value because the build quality, the sound quality, the 10-year warranty, and the price, all of those things combined, $182. It, it, it's the best deal here. The pod mic is less expensive, but it doesn't sound as good. The SM7B and RE20 sound amazing, but they're more expensive. And, you know, that's totally different. You can get two Procasters for the cost of an SM7B or an RE20. But then I said, however... My favorite microphone of these is the SM7B. And the reason, and I explained that I like the SM7B the best because I did like the sound. I really like how it has no handling noise. It has no issues with plosives. It comes with this really nice built-in yoke that makes it super easy to mount on boom arms and mic stands. And it's just sort of like the, it's not just the mic's sound, but it's just the ease of use, the way that it fits into the overall setup and what it what it means to work with that microphone on a daily basis, it is my favorite of those. And of course, then immediately, there's people in the comments, this is sponsored content, sponsored content, sponsored content. I'm like, could you put your critical thinking hat on for even a second? It's, it's not unreasonable to go, hey, Rode gave this guy a microphone, and he's saying good things about it. This must be a sponsored video, except it's not. I said it's not a sponsored video. And I can tell you, you know what Rode would not want me to do in a sponsored video is say that I like a Shure microphone more. And that, that is my favorite and the one I would recommend if, you, if budget is no option. They probably wouldn't want me to do that in a sponsored video. But of course, those kinds of critical thinking skills aren't always at work when it comes to people who think that they've like Sherlocked out, oh yeah, no, this is totally just a scam and an ad. And part of me has thought, I've had the thought, I guess the reason I'm thinking about all this is because there's this balance you have to strike as someone who makes stuff, not a content creator, but someone who makes stuff. There's this balance you have to strike where, you know, I've had the thought of, I'm not going to accept any free products from anyone. Even if it's a company I love, there's no free products because then nobody can, nobody could ever say anything about, you know, oh, it's a free product. It's a sponsored thing. No, I will only just, I'll just buy everything that I, if I want to make a video about something, I'll just buy the thing. That is financially a terrible decision because a lot of the stuff I like is pretty expensive. I'm so curious how the 416 Sennheiser mic stacks up against the 50. To answer that question, it makes a lot of sense to, um, you know, to borrow it from B&H for a month 
test it out, see what the results are, and then send it back. It wouldn't make any sense to spend $1,000 on that. And renting is good too, especially for cameras. It can be harder to rent microphones and lights and that kind of stuff. But for cameras and lenses, you could also rent them. And that way you're not paying the full cost. But it's still, you're still spending, if you were to rent like a mid to high-end camera for enough time to actually test it and make a video with it and compare it to stuff, it's probably a couple of weeks, you're probably spending... I don't know, three to $500, depending on the model of the camera from a place like lens rentals or somewhere. That's a lot of money. It's great because it's very independent. You're not spending the amount of money it would cost to buy the thing. It's not sponsored. You're not in cahoots with the company that makes it. But now you, you've, you have spent four or $500 on this thing. And that's, that's a lot of money if you're someone who makes multiple videos a week or a month or whatever it might be. So that's not necessarily sustainable. So the idea of not accepting anything not only isn't necessarily practical, but it's also detrimental in a couple of ways. Because the first one is, like I mentioned earlier, building relationships with these companies is really big. Like there have been times where it's not even for a video, but I can reach out to people from Rode or Sennheiser or Earthworks or whatever and just ask them a question, not even about their product, but just... I'm confused about this. How does this thing work? How should I get the best performance out of this over here? And it's a great it's a great connection to have from a reliable source. It's a way to build relationships. They, you know, when a company there is a cost behind a product that a company sends you, but it's ultimately to them it's zero cuz they're probably going to make that back if you happen to like say good things about it all they need to do is sell like what one or two units and they've recouped the cost there. So it's a very low risk thing on their part with a high reward. So low risk, high reward. Most companies will go with that. Plus it's great relationship building. But if, if I never reached out to any of those people or took advantage of their offers when they said, Hey, if you want something, let us know, you know, B and H, Hey, borrow stuff, please. It would really it would hurt those relationships or it wouldn't hurt them maybe, but it wouldn't give us a chance to build up these relationships that then down the line could end up becoming really great things. Like road is a great example. I could say, no, 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 please don't send me anything. I don't need anything. And then I would just never talk to anyone from road, but because we talk and if something does show up, even unexpected, of course I reach out and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate this. Blah, blah, blah. That's then when something like the Roadcaster launch came up, they wanted, they gave me the opportunity to play a big role in that, which is something I wanted to do and something I was really excited about. And that's because we were able to build up a relationship. So not accepting anything for free might sound really good at first because it's like, hey, it's going to eliminate any of those questions, but it's going to make it harder to build relationships. And what I'm sure you might have already even found out, or you will find out if you do make stuff is People actually want your opinion on things. The people who care, I guess I should say, the people who are there for you, who like what you do, they want to know, okay, if I'm choosing between this microphone and this microphone, they and they trust you, they want to hear your thoughts on both of those. They don't care if you paid for it, if the company said it, whatever. They want your thoughts because they trust you and they like you. So by taking advantage of these things that let you learn more and experiment with more and be creative with more stuff that helps you serve that part of your audience, which is the part of the audience that's there for you and wants and wants more of what you do. And I think that is, that's a really important thing to remember. And I know that, you know, I definitely get tired when I watch videos where it feels like someone is just being a 21st century home shopping network is the home shopping. And maybe there is still an actual home shopping network in today's day and age. I don't know, but it, you know, a video that feels like this is, this is a long commercial for a product. I'm not into that, but there are people who, who I just want their opinion on a thing and I don't care if they paid for it or not. I want their opinion on it and I trust them to be able to let me know the situation and then still provide an honest, an honest opinion and be as unbiased as possible. Or if it's a technique thing, if someone's teaching you how to use something, I truly don't care. If I'm watching a video on an ATEM Mini on how to do something, I don't care if the person paid for it, if it was sent to them by Blackmagic. I care about them teaching me how to use the thing 
so that I can use mine and do more with it, or I can learn more about what it does and decide that it's something that I want to, to buy for myself. So sometimes these relationships and these opportunities to accept free things not only build relationships with the brands, but it lets you like literally serve your audience, your community more because you can do more things that are valuable to them. And the biggest downside, the thing that's always kept me away from having that policy is it, it wouldn't even matter because I could say, okay, no more free products, not accepting any of that. I could even then delete every video or private every video that has a free product in it. So that way, literally nothing on my channel has any free stuff in it. It's all only things that I paid for. And every video that goes out would have people saying, no, this is sponsored. No, that's a lie. This is definitely sponsored. So then I would still be, have the same problem. I still have the exact same problem. Wouldn't be able to make as much stuff. Wouldn't be able to serve people as well. And wouldn't be able to build relationships with people and brands that I that I actually want to build relationships with. So that's just not really, that's why that's not a practical stance. If you're somebody who's wondering why do people even put themselves in these positions? That's why it's not, it's not a practical thing to do. Now, what I do think is practical is to be very, very, very selective on what you do accept for free. If a company like Sennheiser, Rode, Sony, I don't know, I'm just looking around, Fender, Ikea, <laughs> Home Depot. I'm just looking at brands in my room here. If those brands sent out you know, like trustworthy brands that have a good reputation that are known for also taking care of their customers. I like it. I don't like it when, you know, someone has a problem with their roadcaster, but I like knowing that if I can't help them fix it, I can say, just reach out to road support team and they're probably going to be able to help you out. If they can't solve the problem, they'll set you up with a warranty return or something like that. I know that the company is going to take care of the customer when they do buy the thing from them. That's really cool. I lost my train of thought entirely. Um, so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Working with companies that that uh, that you can trust is very, very important. What you will probably notice is, especially if you're earlier on in your journey, the first companies to reach out to you will probably not be those companies. They will be companies you've never heard of who will send you a message that probably has a lot of typos in it and may or may not actually address you by name. And it will tell you that they're the number one leading company in, you know, whatever field in the world. And, you know, we'll send you a product for review, which is always a very vague statement because it's like, okay, for review, do I have to send the product back? Are you paying me? Are you like, what is this? Not just like, they don't say whether or not there's any kind of obligation on your part. And the product probably sucks. Most of the time in those situations, whatever the thing is, if a company has to tell you how legendary they are and how they're the number one thing in their industry, they probably suck and aren't. And those are things that you definitely want to stay away from. Like you, you don't even want to have to deal with more like cheap crap being delivered. You don't want to have to deal with stuff that sucks and doesn't work well. Like it's not, it's not even worth your time. And that also actually does remind me of the, sometimes companies will say, Hey, you know, we'll send you a thing out for review. If you want to check it out, um, you can borrow it and send it back. But a lot of companies are actually really terrible about that. So the B&H loaner program, for example, everything comes in a, in a box. Makes sense. <laughs> it's shipped in a box. It's packed very well. You have you know a month or two, whatever the date is, to work with the stuff. And then they just send you a prepaid shipping label. You just put everything back into that same box, put the label over the old one, and then drop it off and it goes back and you don't have to think about it again. Other than having to make a trip to the place to drop off the package, it is no inconvenience. And I guess whatever the inconvenience is for printing out a label, which is very small, it's a very easy thing to do. To me, that's very worth it to be able to like get to use all the stuff, build a relationship, all those things. A lot of companies will say, okay, if you don't want to make a video, you could just send the thing back, but then they won't pay for shipping and their offices are based like overseas. So now you're doing, you're, you're, you have to go ship this really crappy $60 product overseas and it's going to cost you like $270 or something. And of course, no sane person is going to do that or spend the time to do that. And then that can that that is sort of like a hurdle that pops up when you're working with less than reputable 
brands and situations, but sometimes people are just so excited. You start your channel, it starts to grow a little bit, and suddenly you get an email from a company that's like, we're gonna send you something for free. And a lot of people get really excited about that because it feels like, you know, it feels like, ah, I made it, this thing is happening, it's so exciting. And that is cool, but it's very important to kind of play those things strategically. So I guess my ultimate closing state, my closing argument here, when it comes to no gear being free, is that whether you pay full price for something or whether it's, I guess one end of the spectrum would be you paying full price for a thing. The the other end of the spectrum would be you getting a thing for free and getting paid for it. So that's totally different. And then everything in between. Wherever you're at, there's some kind of cost, whether it's a cost to you financially or a cost to your credibility or the trust with your audience. There's some kind of thing happening. Or even if it's a cost to the relationship that you're building behind the scenes that no one will ever see or you know your your viewing audience won't be aware of there's always a cost hidden somewhere and whatever you decide to do if you're working with a working with a company working on a product whatever it might be it's just very important for you to know where that cost is in that situation and then to make your decision based on that and to try to make the best decision possible it's it takes a very very long time to build up a community or an audience it takes a very, very long time to build up trust with that community or that audience. And it takes a very, very short amount of time to break that, which goes for a lot of things in life. Trust is a thing that takes a long time to build and a very short amount of time to break. And it's very tough to regain it after that. So I think that's something to keep in mind because for me, and I'm guessing for you, if you've listened or watched this far and <laughs> this far into this, this is probably something that you want to do for a long time. And it might sound cool to go like, I get free product or I get a paycheck or whatever. And that's cool for that one time. But is that going to hurt you in a way that's going to prevent you from continuing to do this on your terms for a much longer time? And that's a thing to be aware of because that's where you can make the decision then to say no to something now. So that way you can keep going longer and longer into the future. And, you know, just be smart with those things. And remember that the stuff that you're making has value. You have value. If you feel like you're in a situation where a company or a brand or whatever is kind of making you feel bad about yourself or the stuff that you make or putting you in a difficult situation, that's not a company that you want to work with. That's not, I I know that like we're, we're ultimately talking about companies and brands, but they're, they're, they are made up of people And a lot of them are made up with really good people who actually want you to succeed and actually like you. And they might even reach out to you in the first place because they're fans of what you do. And they just want you to be able to do more and to do better. Those are the people we're spending your time on or talking to or, you know, saying no, but to. So no, I don't want to do this, but let's keep in touch. Or if you pitch an idea to them and they say no, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're saying no to anything ever with you. It just means no for this right now. But, you know, we can keep working on stuff over here. It's very important just to keep those kinds of things in mind as time goes on. So with all that being said, um, this was sort of a free Roman, free range and discussion on free stuff. But it's something that's sort of been just, I don't know, juggling around in my brain for a while. I think it's an important discussion to have because these are the kinds of things that if you're someone who's a uh, maker of things not a content creator... <laughs> There's nothing wrong if you just want to say content creator. Uh, if you're if you're that person, you're probably having some version of this experience on some degree, or you will at some point. And the more that we all keep that to ourselves, I think the, the worse it is, the more it hurts, the less good that we're doing for everybody. Whereas the more that we share and talk to each other about it and are open about it, I think that's better for everyone. The The transparency helps you, it helps your audience even, and it, it helps all of us to understand these situations because two different people can talk to the same brand and have two totally different experiences. But if we're talking to each other, then we're going to be aware of that and we're going to know, wait a minute, they were okay with me getting a thing and not making a video about it, but they're harassing you five times a day about making a video? Let's figure this situation out, that kind of stuff. So it's very important, you know, like it's a very weird, it's such a weird industry and a weird situation to be in. It's pretty unprecedented. There's no rule book for it. There's no, you know, pre-existing way of doing things. So the more that we can just share stuff 
I think the better it helps everybody. So that's just why I want to share these thoughts and these experiences. And I hope that it was helpful. So if you have any thoughts, of course, you can always send a message, voice, video, or text to tom at enthusiasmproject.com, or you can go to hi, my name is tom.com and click on the little uh, linky thing to do the speak pipe. You just record an audio message. It'll be great. So with that being said, thank you for spending your time with me. I hope you have a safe, happy, healthy rest of your week, and I will see you next time if I can push this button with my foot and it ends the podcast. Let's see if it'll work. Thank mm-hmm. you.